0: This is Two Minutes About Time with
1: Luke Allen and Robert E.G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film about time, two minutes at a time. I'm Richard Curtis and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined as always with my co-host, Robert E.G. Black. Hello. And with our special guest, Joshua Griffiths. Hello. Hello. So, are you able to introduce yourself to our listeners for a little bit?
0: I can. So, my name is Joshua Griffiths, and I am an actor from the West Midlands, who also owns his own production company called JGR Films.
1: Okay, Brill. So, what was your first experience with the film About Time?
0: First experience from About Time was actually when you sent it me, believe it or not.
1: Oh, that's good. I've been waiting for that perspective with all the guests. So it's good that we finally got that.
0: Oh that's good. I like to be that so, one.
1: Are these the only minutes of the film you've seen?
2: Or it is, you... yes. Oh, even better.
1: Yay.
0: <laughs> I hope
1: that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's what we're really after. <laughs>
0: I've, oh, been, I've been I've been I've been hoping
1: to have someone's out of context view on it and every guest has said they've seen it before. So Brill. Now you have technically had experience working with Richard Curtis, right? I have, yes. Uh, so, so what was that like on yesterday?
0: It, it was surreal because I didn't think he was there. It was just Danny Boyle. And then I brought him out onto stage and he had a chat with us all and then came down into the audience and started speaking to us all and shaking our hands and it was just a really nice bloke.
1: Hmm. So what, what scene in yesterday are we, able to, are we able to spot you in the background of? Or?
0: It's the, um, I was in quite a few concert bits that he did, but the main one was the Russian concert. Okay. Singing back to the USSR. I was one of the ones yeah. jumping up and down. <laughs> At least I know if I get if bored can during me.
1: lockdown, I can, I can try and frame by frame find it and maybe release a picture with this episode if I if I remember. If not, then that's not happened. And the listeners will know that. So we start straight up with Minute 31. And it's a yep. continuation of Harry's play. Actually, I guess before we go into this, what what is your just... Imp- Overall impression of the film from
0: these scenes, like <laughs> do you know anything about the film at all or well, I don't actually know anything about the film, so this is quite surreal to me and new. However, what I've gathered from the minutes I've seen is that it's obviously about this man who's in love with Mary, I believe it is yeah, and he loses contact with her because he deletes the number, which, to be fair, I've done myself and then it's all about him trying to find her, and it's all all about love. It's what I can gather from the scenes I've seen.
2: Deletes her number, Te- yes. I love
1: her this interpretation. In, in, yeah. Well, technically he deletes her number, but it's about time travel, and he's accidentally gone back, and basically he can go back in time to any moment in his life by going into a dark room, closing his eyes, clenching his fists, and imagining he's there. And so he goes back, he meets Mary falls in love with her, then goes back in time to help Harry save his play, which we see a little bit of, and ends up, as a result of it, accidentally missing when he first met Mary, and thus he has to go back and find her.
0: Oh, okay, I didn't know that, so that's, that's quite new to me. Oh.
2: Yeah. It's kind of the same idea, though.
1: Yeah, it is. He does, to an extent, lose her number.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think I might have to watch this film. <laughs>
1: Well, it is, in my opinion, my favourite film and one of Robert's favourites, so yeah. I can definitely recommend it. It's a very heartfelt and we'll try not to spoil too much, I guess, while we discuss <laughs> what comes up later on. Yeah. I guess the, the first line we get...
2: Well, before you even get to the first line, you've got visuals because the stagehand's getting kind of nervous, the guy playing the uh, soldier that's on trial is like... Puffing up his cheeks and holding his breath, he's he doesn't know what's going to happen. And then Tim leaves.
1: Yeah, so we can see that Tim and everyone is very uncomfortable <laughs> at mm-hmm. this point. And it, it is like one of the times where the handheld is a lot more a lot more present. Yeah. Tim carries carries on, goes into the uh, little wardrobe space before, I guess, going back in time to give him the lines. Although, I, I understand that, I guess from this, Joshua, like it it isn't clear that he's gone back in time. <laughs> he could have just produced them somehow anyway.
0: Well, how I saw it, and this is my opinion from never seeing the film, is when he disappears and goes in behind that curtain, I actually visioned him writing out the lines. Yeah. Because obviously it's, I think it's his brother or friend that is the one that's wrote the play. So I imagine that he just gone behind this curtain and wrote down the lines and then disappeared to try and show the actor the lines, is
2: how I saw it. Which in a roundabout way is what he did. Yeah, just We'd I didn't know about the time travel.
0: The
1: least... <laughs> yeah. yeah, We've possibly given you some of the least time travel minutes in the film. Apart from later on in the film, I guess, when it, well, we won't say. <laughs>
0: Honestly, over the minutes that I watched, I didn't know at all that he'd time travelled or anything, so... That came as a shock to me when you said that. <laughs>
1: well, it, Richard Curtis obviously doesn't do sci-fi very much, except this and his one episode of Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, it's a, um, it sounds really good. I'd... I love time travel, so I shall definitely mm. be making the time to watch it. I I like the time travel concept. I'm not a big
1: sci-fi fan. This definitely isn't sci-fi. <laughs> like it's like it like with yesterday. It's like, this is the rules of the universe, we're not going to focus on how and why it is, we're just going to tell a story with it, which I think is the best way to go go about it, really. So it's not stuck in logistics of time travel, it's just, let's tell a story with the ability. Sounds really interesting. But anyway, I guess it's kind of pointless for us to keep discussing the main point of the film, as we assume the listeners probably know it by now. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, So, yeah, so Tim just sort of, as he passes Harry, is, sorry, excuse me, sorry. Um... And then we have... Does he repeat the line, or are we back in time when he says "Does the, so does the prosecution? We're back in time, aren't we? Yeah. From the transcript, I couldn't tell. Yeah, so then the judge says the line, so does the prosecution have anything final to add? Wherein Tim calls upon Richard E. Grant's character who I'm pretty sure isn't named. Well, he's not credited, mm. so I guess he's, he's not credited, yeah. So he calls upon Richard E. Grant's character and shows him the... Uh, the lines which he's written on the cardboard. <laughs>
2: I love that he went back in time to write these and still just managed messy cardboard.
1: <laughs> yeah, he could have he could have set things up like on stage to remind him or something. Yeah. Or he could have done what he did with Richard Griffiths earlier and just asked him to go back and yeah. have a look at the lines. So he shows the, the cards which read, Gentlemen, I regard today's proceedings with the utmost gravity, which of course is then repeated by him. Nevertheless, let us be clear of one simple, and that's the point in which our minute ends. So obviously, we've got like the shots of the audience, but it is it's shot reasonably similarly to the previous minute we did last week. Yeah. Is there anything much to talk about the way that it's
2: shot? Oh, there, there's a great moment where Harry looks at Tim's empty seat, and I was imagining like you could have a whole plot line where Harry realizes that Tim always disappears when things go really well. And being really confused by that.
1: Yeah, that's true. I hadn't even noticed how I've seen it so many times, and I've not never never twigged Harry looking at Timsey. I think, yeah, I think Tom Hollander. We've noticed, especially with this, like he he is really good at the sort of subtle background acting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I just love how handheld this whole th- the whole film is really because it's it's weird because that can sometimes really get on my nerves when I'm watching a film and it's too handheld, but. It, it works a lot more with the tone of the film, really. And obviously the shakiness becomes slightly more present in this point when it's tense than to when it's just casual handheld in like the house scenes and stuff.
2: It feels more like you're actually right there with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, this this is one where really, you know, the, literally because the line carries on, it goes straight on into the next minute. Do, should we just go straight on? Mm-hmm. Is there anything really yeah. specific? Joshua, nah. have you got any sort of final comments this minute before we go straight on to minute 32?
2: No. And it's great that the uh, prosecutor, Richie Grant, is trying to interact with the play and the audience, even though he keeps having to look to the side of the stage, So he keeps spinning around between lines.
1: Yeah, it proves that he's like a proper actor, <laughs> you know? In he's this trying. But he's, he's still trying, and he doesn't think it's all lost at this point. So then, yeah, we go straight into minute 32, where he carries on the line and salient thing. It is the life. Of a guilty man. And,
2: um, and the audience goes crazy. This audience is easily moved.
1: So it's kind of odd that his <laughs> uh, the line he forgot was the last line in the play, supposedly.
2: Yeah, it could be the very end. It's weird. It's hard to tell.
1: I think in the commentary they, they commented on it, and I can't remember what they said, which is weird because I listened to it about five minutes before we started.
2: Harry suggests that Tim left in the middle, but he could have meant middle as any part during.
1: Yeah. So apparently, in terms of the prompter, there was originally a prompter who did prompt him with with the first line, and Richard Curtis ended up cutting that out, because it just seemed pointless. Hmm. Um, Because you do kind of wonder what the heck the prompter's doing at this point.
2: Yeah, it's kind of one of his jobs.
1: So, Joshua, with you being an actor, I mean, I don't know whether you've done much theatre. Have you? And have you had or seen any experiences like this where someone has forgotten their lines at a major moment?
0: I have, yes. Um, I've I've been on the West End, so I've done that a couple of times. And to be fair, that's one thing I commented on, the the way that they did the whole line prompting and Richard E. Grant's character really played up to the fact that he hadn't got his line, but he still wanted to stay in character. And it, to be fair, it's something I've done as an actor on stage. Completely forgot my line panicked and had to wait for the prompt to tell me the line while I'm sat there acting as if I haven't forgot the line so I think that was beautifully (laughs) portrayed
1: obviously Harry then takes all the credit and it's like he's finally got you know what he's been after for so long yeah he's happy he's yeah it's so weird to see him happy Tim did good so Harry then says as Tim walks down into the entrance space one of the actors appeared to have actually fallen asleep oh, here's the little prick He walked out halfway through. You missed the best scene, you little twerp. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's like, even when he's happy, he, he still has to have a go at Tim. Yep. <laughs> Although it kind of makes sense.
0: I like, love that line, I think it's brilliant.
1: <laughs> second use of the word twerp in, like, three minutes, right? Because <laughs> Richard yeah. Griffith says it as he leaves in one of the previous minutes. And actually, Joshua, you don't have much of Richard Griffiths in your minutes at all, do you? No, you no. can just spot yeah, him in the background.
2: He doesn't do anything.
1: Hmm. Well, this was actually the last film Richard Griffiths did before he passed away. And it was just a cameo in this. Oh, no. Um, so, he then says, Sorry. And then you see... This is, uh, this is just so great. <laughs> when, when Harry's talking to this girl and it's just... So, what did you think of the set?
2: Yeah, he immediately stops talking to Tim. <laughs> yeah, the girl says, I on. thought
1: it was incredible. Did you? Oh, I didn't. Too brown. <laughs> He'd always got something to be angry about. I mean, apparently Richard Curtis was quite worried for the set designer that he insulted the set that they'd set up.
2: No, it fits his character. Yeah,
1: which makes me wonder—like, was that ad-libbed? Because surely the set designer would have seen the script and know that they had. had <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's too fast. It's a—it's a good set. So then Tim leaves, well, walks off, and checks his phone, which I think we've said before. Even 2013. This is a dated phone. Yes, and he can't find Mary.
2: Well, and to be fair, even if he could find her, she's still at the restaurant right now. It's only
1: 10:30. That's a good point. So he could just go to the restaurant, right?
2: Well, he does.
1: <laughs> but why? That, that's a bit I don't understand. Which we, which we do get a glimpse of, is uh why does he have to run there? Like, couldn't he go to a dark place near the I mean, the restaurant is a dark place. Like, yes, it would be weird for him to just appear out of nowhere, but surely there are other dark covers he could come out of, or does he always have to come out of the same?
2: Well, since he never went there, maybe he can't travel there anymore.
1: That makes sense.
2: Like, if he erased it, he no longer can go back to a the moment there. It's only two miles, He's, he can run.
1: Wait, you even, have you figured out the geography of this?
2: Yes. <laughs>
1: As I said to you before, Joshua, this is like the difference in, in effort and prep for the show. I watched the commentary beforehand, and Robert studies every single element.
2: I wrote down the context on the phone. <laughs> you
1: yeah, you have to be organized. I was looking at that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, is there any is there anything worthwhile to mention in the content in the context? Of well, his he he
2: might have taken the uh, tube because we do see him running up some stairs as part of the montage of him running. So he might not have run the whole two miles.
1: He's got a friend called Michael Lizard.
2: Well, it could or, be. Well,
1: that's the nickname. A friend
2: who has a lizard, because he also has mic work. Mm. He just knows different mics.
1: I guess it's, it's just it's an it's an interesting way to remember a friend.
2: And like Mel Uni could be Mel from university.
1: I I I can't cope with that at all. To be honest, I'm I'm a very controlled person with my phone contacts and that I've got everyone alphabetical by surname, including my parents. But they're not mum and dad. They're down by their proper names. Just so I can find everything easily alphabetically.
2: <laughs> there is a great detail at the restaurant at the end of this minute. The lettering in the window backwards says Waffle House. Okay. I don't know if this place just serves waffles in the dark or, <laughs> <laughs> or what. This isn't the real restaurant, of course. This is a different location.
1: It's very empty street of London. Like, I know it's late at night, but even just that shot of him running, like, I'd imagine there'd be some people there. Well,
2: we saw it at this time before it was pretty empty. It is weird, but it's consistent.
1: But that's true. We get that with the tube station as well, don't we?
2: Yeah.
1: Like, I, I can't imagine any point like later on in the film where they're in the tube station where it would ever be that empty. So, Joshua, have you got any sort of comments on this minute as a whole?
0: No, the only thing I put down was the um, fact that I thought it was quite a comical element. that they, Obviously, I didn't know about the time travel, but I thought it was quite a comical element that the number had disappeared out of his phone because... Because I know technology does that quite often. You put something in, and then next minute, you know, you can't find mm. it. And he's
2: got an old phone, so it's like, make it happen.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember what phones would have been present mostly in 2013. But that's... iPhones were
2: already out for a few years at this point. Yeah, so that's still. So this is an old phone.
1: Well, he does actually say, doesn't he? Yeah. When he meets Mary, I thought this phone was old and shit, So I guess that makes sense. And I think it is wonderful that we literally do get the comments with Mary on the phone. Like, you know, the fact that he makes such a point of how important the phone is once he's got her number, when we first meet him.
2: Mm-hmm. And then now it's gone, so.
1: So yeah, I mean, there must be more to comment on in this, but I don't know what
2: what is. No, because half the minute is just him running.
1: Oh, we can talk about Tim's run, actually. Which was described by Bill Nye as like a rabbit, and they're very confused as to why Tim runs in this way. <laughs> He claims he was running in character, and that is not the way that Donald runs, but it, it is quite an interesting run.
2: I didn't even notice anything weird about it. Now I gotta look again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is a little silly, actually, yeah. I don't find his run to be weird. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I don't know how I run. Like, I've not really paid much attention to how people run. I think it. I don't know. There was something slightly odd about it, and the fact. But I only noticed it because I commented on the commentary, to be honest. So, yeah, have we got sort of anything final to say about this? Obviously, it's a slightly shorter episode for our listeners.
2: Nah, 32's simple. He solves the prosecutor's problems and has to run.
1: So, Joshua, where can our listeners find you on social media?
0: Um, They can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My Facebook is just Joshua Griffiths. My Twitter is at Josh JoshG98. And on Instagram, it's Joshua Griffiths too.
1: Bro, and Robert, where can listeners find you? Uh,
2: Lemmingdrops.com or Robert E G Black.
1: Listeners can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero. They can find my Instagram at the Ginger Luke. They can find me on Facebook at Luke Allen Film. Everything I do—podcasts, short films, newspaper articles, radio appearances—all that at Luke And this show is available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Men's About Time. And you can also join our Facebook listeners group, The Cupboard. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And it's,
0: uh,
1: I've, I've run out of goodbyes, you didn't plan to be for honest. It. Au revoir. You need a new list. I didn't prepare these. Off. I need. I do need a list of different goodbyes. Joshua, do you know any interesting ways to say goodbye? Because I, I had a few and then they've all I ran out of them all.
0: I say tata. Th- have
1: we done tata? Yeah, I, th- I think so. We'll, we'll double up.
0: Yeah.
2: Call oh, oh, this Toodle Pig. It's our second to oh, turn. That's a good one.
1: Mm. I genuinely can't remember which ones we've done. Maybe, maybe, maybe we've. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> the Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme, originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemon Drop Studios in association with Bottle Eye Productions.